Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 12 will be focused just in the first 12 verses this morning. So Luke 12, 1 through 12, this is God's Word. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men... The Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities... Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jesus had done all sorts of miracles. Jesus had healed the sick. Jesus had cast out demons. The first sign that Jesus did, miraculously, was turning water into wine, the marriage in Cana. Jesus was famous, and the crowds gathered because you never knew when there might be a free meal. On at least two occasions, Jesus took a little bit of food and turned it into a lot of food. In fact, so much food that there were leftovers after thousands were fed. The people loved 
the miracles of Jesus. Now, there were people who didn't love the miracles of Jesus, and that would be the religious elite. Those who saw what Jesus was doing as a threat to their status. Because the fact is, they couldn't do stuff like that. They were not doubting that something supernatural was happening, but on more than one occasion, they said, well, he's doing this by the forces of darkness. It's demons that are giving him the power to cast out demons. It's demons that enable him to do these supernatural things. And it is in that context that Jesus says what he says here about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, verse 10, will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. If you compare that, and of course earlier in this gospel account, the people had been, the religious leaders had been attributing Jesus' miracles to the works of Satan, Beelzebub. If you compare that statement by Jesus to the same statement in Matthew 12, 31, and in Mark 3, 28 and 29, the context there is immediately in the context of Jesus casting out demons and it being attributed to demonic forces in Jesus. And if you wonder if that's just coincidence, Mark 3, 30, the verse immediately following 28 and 29, it says, he said this because they were saying that he did this through the power of Satan. So many people puzzle and wonder, you know, how do I know if I've committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? I'm just afraid I've committed the unforgivable sin, unpardonable sin. What, what do I do? How can I know? I will tell you this. People who are concerned that they might have done that are very, very likely never to have done that. Because the characteristic of those people who attributed Jesus' miracles to Satan rather than to the Holy Spirit were people who were not just resisting Jesus, but who even when they saw the truth refused to repent. And I give you the example of the high priests who, when they found out that Jesus had risen from the dead, instead of repenting, instead told the guards, well, here, take this money and spread the word that the body was stolen by his disciples during the night. You see, there was no repentance in light of the truth. When they saw and knew the truth, they said, no, that is not the disposition of a person who's saying, oh God, please tell me that I have not done that. I do not want to grieve you. I would never want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. 
Have you ever really wanted to make a difference in this world? You can. It's possible for you to be a part of a miraculous place where God is doing a work of healing in the lives of children who come from difficult circumstances. Where's Valley Ranch is a ministry that belongs to Jesus. He owns the place. My wife and I had the opportunity to be here when it was started, and we have watched God work miracle after miracle, providing when only 2% of the income of the ranch comes from the families of the children in our care. We take no government money, we have a policy of no debt, and that means every day that we operate, it's because God is working in the hearts of people who want to help children. You can make a difference that lasts for eternity, and I hope you will. Contact the ranch at wvr.org, or you can call us at 866-41-ABIDE. Let us hear from you. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand So, Jesus surrounded by thousands, so many people, in fact, that they were trampling on one another. Don't miss that. That's the kind of crowd we're talking about. They were trampling on one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. What he says immediately in this context is not what he shouted out to the crowd. He began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's pretending to be something you're not. When I was growing up, I heard warnings against hypocrisy, and I thought, yeah, it's terrible when people pretend to be a Christian, and they're not. They pretend to be good, but secretly they're doing evil. And that is, of course, the way in which we typically think of hypocrisy. When I was 14 years old, I heard a sermon by Dr. Stephen Alford, who was pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in New York City. He'd come to the States from Great Britain, and he was a, a wonderful preacher, one of my favorite preachers. I used to listen to him on the radio every Sunday morning while I was getting ready for Sunday school. But I remember a pivotal sermon in my life when I happened to see Dr. Alford just before the service. I'd gone to a conference center to hear him speak. My pastor's sons, I thought that they should hear some really good preaching. Their dad was a great preacher, but I preferred Alford. And so they came, and the pastor's wife drove us because none of us were old enough to drive yet. Well, I went to the restroom right before the service, and there was Dr. Alford in the restroom. And I said, Dr. Alford, what are you preaching on tonight? And he gave me the reference from the Old Testament and then quoted the verse. It was a short verse, easy to learn. Woe unto you, ye hypocrites! And I thought, oh boy, this is going to be good. (laughs) This is going to be good. He's going to let them have it tonight. Well, he did. He let them have it. And I was them. Because what he talked about, and I want to be sure you understand this, is that a hypocrite is someone who pretends to be what they're not. 
But that doesn't just apply to people who pretend to be Christians when they're not. It also applies just as much to people who are Christians and they don't live like it. If you behave like something you're not, you're a hypocrite. And as I heard Dr. Alford preach, I realized through the gracious convicting work of the Holy Spirit that while I was saved, I often would not let my light shine. I wanted to keep it under a bushel because I did not want people to think ill of me. Around these folks, I was happy to talk about the Lord. I was happy to discuss Scripture. Around these folks, I just wanted to fit in. Just wanted to be part of the crowd. Laugh at jokes I shouldn't have laughed at. Say things I shouldn't have said. Do things I shouldn't have done. Because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be popular. It's hypocrisy. By my actions, and sometimes by my words, I was denying the truth about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says to the disciples, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Well, why would a person keep such things secret? Why would a person who knows this is wrong not repent? Because of the fear of man. It's not only pride, but it's pride that results in what will people say? What will they think? This could end my ministry. Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What if you knew that the truth was going to come out about you? Wouldn't it be better for you to tell it? Wouldn't it be better for you to come forward and say, I'm sorry, pray for me, this is what I've done. We not only need to be concerned about those who will persecute us for being a Christian, but we have the fear of those who will think less of us if we're honest about our struggles. Jesus said the solution to that is to fear God. To realize it's all going to come out anyway. And so out of the fear of God, do what God says and don't be a hypocrite. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't pretend to be perfect. God forbid that anybody who knows me or even from a distance would think that somehow Jim Wood is just the perfect Christian. No, I'm not. I want to be like Jesus, but I fall short. I am still a work in progress. Thank God there is progress. 
But all of us need God's grace every day. Every day. And we need to be honest before God and before one another. Now, does that mean we tell everybody everything? No. But it does mean that everything needs to be open before God and there need to be some people with whom you can share honestly. I'm very grateful that for the most part, my children knew that they could tell mom and dad anything. I got a phone call, now it's been a few months, but just a few, from one of our former students who said that her son came to her with an embarrassing question. And he said, this is what's going on in my life. I I need you to pray with me and counsel me about that. And she said, I told him what you told me when I asked you those questions. And I just wanted to call and thank you because the truth you spoke into my life is now being spoken into my son's life. And I was so grateful that he trusted me to ask those questions just like I was able to trust you. Let me tell you something. Everything's going to come out in the open someday, some way, anyway. So find those you can trust who are further down the road in their journey with the Lord. And be honest with them. Don't look for somebody who's just as lost as you are. Just as confused. Now let's see, I'm 13 years old and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with some other 13-year-olds. Um, maybe not the best plan. Well, there are some 13-year-olds who are more spiritually mature than I am. I, I can believe that. But you might find someone who's older than 13 years old and also more spiritually mature than you are. You need to cultivate relationships with people you can count on to be honest with you and not just pat you on the back and say, well, don't worry about it, it's fine, no problem. So, Jesus says to his disciples, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. Instead, fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw your body into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You and I need to fear God. And our concern should not be for our reputation. Our concern should not be for our income. Our concern should be for the approval of God. Are we doing what God says? Are we doing what God wants? And the wonderful thing about fearing God is that when we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. If you're taking notes... You might want to write this down. When we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. Because you see, God is the one who has all power, all authority, and what He says goes. But what if those people kill me? You'll be fine. You're saying they won't kill me? No, I'm saying if those people kill you, you'll be fine. Well, what if those people reject me? You'll be fine. The threats of man are temporary. 
Don't be afraid, Jesus said, of the one who can kill the body and after that can do nothing. Fear God. Once you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. And then here comes the second part of what Jesus says about that. Verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. If things are right between you and God, you don't have to fear anything. The fear of the Lord here is not a fear of, oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to have to deal with God. It's like, oh, no, I don't have to fear anything because the God whom I fear loves me. Therefore, I tell you, verse 8, Whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. In other words, if you go ahead and be a witness for Jesus Christ here, you're doing it with an eye toward eternity. But he who disowns me before men will also be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That's a promise. We need to take it seriously. Be very careful about attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the enemy. And when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. What does he promise here? If we're put on trial for our faith, God's not going to say, well, I hope it goes well, I'll see you afterwards. We can depend upon God to supply everything we need, including an answer for our adversaries. Now, I will tell you, sometimes the Lord will lead us to do what Jesus did when he was on trial. He refused to answer his accusers. If you're in a situation where you're being harassed, people are saying awful things and asking you questions not because they're interested in the truth, but because they're trying to nail you, and you say, I don't feel like I know what to say, then don't say anything. But don't be surprised if the Lord gives you a word that you recognize that's not from me. That's from God. And you say what He tells you. And don't be afraid of the consequences. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar because they did the right thing. They were not hypocrites. They stood for God when everybody else was bowing down to the idol. And word got back to the king. And the king had already announced that it was the death penalty for anyone who didn't bow down. And these guys, knowing that it was the death penalty if they didn't bow down, refused to bow down. Because they were not hypocrites. They weren't going to pretend that they worshipped an idol when in fact they didn't. I've told you I would be tempted to bow down and pretend to tie my sandal, but I'm telling you, they did the right thing. And when they stood again before the king this time, and he said, now I've heard this, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to make it right. This time, bow down, or you'll be killed. And they said, King, we don't have to bow down. 
because we worship God. And God is able to deliver us from you. And if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. That was the word God gave them to speak. And it is still resounding around the world through the ages as God's people say to hostile governments, we will not bow to you. You who listen to me today will be pressured, no doubt in ways much more intense than I have experienced in my lifetime. And you will have to decide, are you going to fear God or are you going to fear man? I pray that out of fear of God, who loves you, that you will not bow. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.